Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Scratch your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of, a, let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. It's the word of the Lord. This time I have the joy and honor to um, welcome and to introduce my um, friend Charlene Brown, who will be our preacher today. Uh, I've known Charlene since uh, days of Divinity School and uh, taking classes together. And um, yeah, I, I look back, gosh, it's it's like 10 years now. Uh, mm -hmm. so it makes us older than I think of us. Uh, but uh, with a fondness, uh, not just for that time of learning, but uh, for the group of people that uh, was around me and um, that, that we were doing it with. Uh, we had a Zoom a Zoom reunion uh, a couple weeks ago. And it, it was a remarkable thing to um, get to just uh, look at the screen and count all the ways that God um, is working. And, and and yeah, it feels like in our music today um, and just even whenever you start messing with clocks, you start to mess with the theme of time and how God marches with us through time. And so uh, I'm thankful um, looking back for the ways that, that uh, in that march through through time up to now and, and beyond that, Charlene's been uh, a partner and co-laborer in ministry. These days, she's she's uh, channeling a lot of that energy um, into uh, med school at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and uh, man, what a what a wild time to uh, be starting something new, and especially uh, to be uh, studying medicine. So we're, we're so happy to to have you with us, and uh, are so blessed. Um, uh, for you to be preaching today. So I'll turn it over to you. Hey, good morning, Oak Church. I feel like when we're in person that like, I can actually hear it. <laughs> um, if you don't mind uh, turning on your cameras, if you so choose, or unmuting yourself, if you so choose, at least in um, the, the churches where you know, I come from people like to talk back. And so I always appreciate a little bit of feedback. Um, if you can, if not, that's all good. Uh, first, let me say that daylight savings time is a preacher's worst nightmare. Uh, when, when Chris offered me the date, he did not tell me that it was going to be daylight savings time. I didn't know it was. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Um, but I, I always count it a pleasure and a privilege to be invited back and love the opportunity to worship with y'all, even when it's virtually. 
Uh, I love that I can also count significant moments in my life by my visits to Oak Church. Uh, the last time I was with y'all, I was transitioning uh, off of InterVarsity staff. I was starting med school at UNC. It was July, so I was like hyped. And then I was healing from a ruptured Achilles tendon while playing basketball. So um, I can say that last week I shot around a basketball for the first time and it was, it was a lot of fun. So um, it's been almost a year into Zoom school, at least at UNC. And I can tell you some things about kidneys, uh, maybe read an EKG, but I'll tell you that you should get a second opinion. And I can tell you like how clutch the cells in your body are. Uh, the last time I was here, uh, folks asked why I decided to leave ministry. And I just wanted to clear that up, right? Uh, I didn't leave ministry. I just wanted to change my mission field. I think professional Christians are not the only people who get to join in this work. Uh, so regardless of your profession, uh, you're being called into something. You're being called to join the Lord with something. Uh, and as a future physician, it, it's my hope to live in that beautiful intersection of suffering and pain and to walk with people who are facing their own questions. So wherever you find yourself, whether it's um, outside of the home, inside of the home, uh, know that you are also being called to join with God in his beautiful work. So anyways, I'm so grateful that y'all won't let this med school student get rusty with her preaching. Uh, thank you for having me. So Chris asked me which psalm I'd be preaching from today, and um, I kind of read around like, okay, psalms of lament, that's what we're looking at. Uh, and then I hit psalm four, and I was like, yes, psalm four all day, right? Mostly because I fell in love with the word uh, delusion that happens in verse two. The psalmist says, how long will you love your delusions? And I read that and felt this like immediate ouch. And when you feel that kind of ouch, that's like something that's important to pay attention to, right? What delusions was I loving? What have I come to believe about God and who God is uh, and who I am, right? That isn't true. That is a delusion. But then I sat down to start preparing for this and I had this strange, uh, mostly laughable experience, right? I grabbed the commentary on Psalm 4 and uh, these were the words that showed up. It says, quote, uh, Psalm 4 is certainly not the most coherent or elegant of psalms. This is by a, a theologian, uh, Kent French. And when I read Kent's words, I thought, oh, I chose wrongly. I, I, I chose poorly, like wrong psalm. And just to be clear, I, I don't think that there's such a thing as, uh, as choosing poorly when it comes to scripture. I, I really do believe that there's something for us uh, in each word and each passage that from joy to grief, anger to doubt, I believe that scripture speaks to us. And specifically the Psalms are our songbook. They sing of a God ever so present with us. They sing of a God who defends the afflicted. They sing of a God who rescues and saves. But the Psalms also draw, draw us to the realities of people who feel far from God of communities that are in grief and turmoil and that feel like they're at the end of their rope, right? There are specific Psalms where individuals are so wrought with pain that they make their beds in graves and they wish they were dead. The Psalms are both the praises of the people of God and they are a very active lament and grief of present situations. So even in this one book, we have the spectrum of human emotion, the good, the bad, the ugly. 
the Psalms give us a place to start, both for joy, but also for our grief and lament. They give us very real examples of individuals and communities that showed God their full anger, their pain, their frustration, their grief, and with full honesty. And for that, I'm grateful. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and we'll jump into Psalm 4. Holy God, we are so grateful for this morning to be able to gather even virtually, um, to give thanks during this time of Lent, and to be able to slow down and to hear your voice. So this morning, I pray that you would speak in the silence, that you would use my words, Father, and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so I don't know if you've ever had the experience of tiredness or exhaustion and and wanting nothing more than to like get to bed and fall fast asleep, right? You finally get to your pillow and you're like, I'm gonna sleep until I can't sleep anymore, which is like a week from now. But then you finally get into bed and it's like sleep becomes elusive, right? It, it, it just won't come. You, you try to will yourself to bed, but even in the stillness of nighttime, all the lights are off, everything is like dark. It's like the busyness of your mind and your soul start kicking up dust of the day, of the weeks, of the past year, and you lay there awake. I think this is where our text in Psalm 4 starts us out. When I read Psalm 4, I get the sense of a person who can't seem to fall asleep. The worry, the concern, the fear, the judgment, whether it's in the author's head or coming from friends or frenemies, uh, who knows? It's like they can't seem to fall asleep. I don't know how long this has been going on, but the distress leaves the psalmist awake, pressed into a tight space, tired and restless. Something is keeping the psalmist up at night. Now, for most of the pandemic, I've operated at a, um, at a particular baseline every night, right? Uh, finally get to bed, close my eyes, close my eyes even tighter, uh, count more sheep, take deep breaths, practice meditation, and finally fall asleep. And then awake at 3 a.m., maybe read, mostly turn on Facebook, delete Facebook after surfing the internet into the wee hours of the night, uh, and then maybe fall asleep again, but probably not. Then wake up, breakfast, study, rinse, repeat. It's as though in the stillness of the night, the busyness, the worry, the grief, it all gets stirred up, leaving me restless. And this is the kind of sleep that leaves you more tired than when you first laid down. Running through my head is this pandemic, right? When will it be over? What's, what's going to be the new normal? It's worry about whether uh, I'm good enough or going to make it in school. It's anxiety about the morning, uh, what the morning news might bring, right? Is, is there going to be more news of an unarmed black body killed at the hands of those who are sworn to protect and serve? Is it wondering about how white supremacy continues to strengthen its, its grip on the American church? I wonder about the grief and loss of those we've lost this year to COVID and and other causes. I worry about the future. So what keeps you up at night? The question that kept popping up 
as I read this passage is what keeps you up at night? What worry, what grief, what anxiety, what lament and despair is keeping you up at night? What ache and weight are you carrying in the season that leaves you restless, uncomfortable, and pressed? What's keeping you up at night? Now, I've, I felt more than once this kind of feeling where you're between a rock and a hard place and it feels like God is nowhere to be found, that God is somehow absent, that nothing seems to soothe the pain or the fear. It just won't go away. It feels like somehow we've been left to suffer or maybe God just looks on or God is absent. Maybe God has left or abandoned us. In this feeling of despair, uh, the psalmist commands God's attention. Psalm 4 starts out, answer me when I call to you. Now, when, when I read that, uh, it's like, I felt like it was like someone texting me in all caps, like, why are you yelling at me? And I was like, wait, 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 it's, it's, it's not a text. It's just my Bible. It's just scripture, right? The, the psalmist chooses to speak to God with a force. It's, it's, it's a brutal honesty, maybe even a, a desperation, right? Answer me, Lord. And then he pleads, give me relief in my distress, room in a tight place, hear me in my trouble, have mercy on me. I love that uh, this passage like uh, is translated like, give me relief in my distress. A, a couple other versions says like, give me room in a tight place. Now, when I read that, I feel like it's, it's as the psalmist saying like, God, it's you or bust, right? So, so, so make room, give mercy, create space. Uh, as you have made space before, like, Lord, give us space. So this is where I want to spend most of our time this morning, where the psalmist is asking for room. I just keep thinking about this request, right? Like, what is room? What is space? And as much as we've had the flexibility uh, of working from home or, or doing something like medical school from home this past year, uh, my life and I think many people's lives have felt probably like more full, right? New hobbies, kids, schooling from home, home projects underway, more Netflix, more social media, uh, more bread baking, right? Like in, in some ways, it's just felt more stifled and squished. And when I'm laying awake at night uh, with, with my laundry list of things to do, my anxieties, the fear, the grief, I'm not thinking of room. I'm usually coming up with plan A, B, C, D, E through, you know, Z. I'm someone who's prone to taking matters into my own hands, right? I, I'm just going to help God out a little bit because obviously God needs my help. I'm just kidding. But um, my, my plan involves like reliving the experience, the moment, the memory, and trying to figure out like what I could have done differently or what I will do differently. It's about alleviating the suffering. And instead of making room for it, I fill my days. I fill the room. I fill the space and the silence even more with busyness, with noise, with social media, with more bread baking, more people, more avoidance. The writer of Psalm 4 cultivates a space with God, even in grief and lament. Um, last week, I, I had a few days off from, from med school, uh, not spring break. It's what we're calling wellness days. So I decided to practice what I was going to preach as I was reading over Psalm 4. 
Uh, I, I left town in order to get away from the noise and kind of the normal schedule and normal busyness. And when I was away, I prayed like, Lord, answer me, make space, make room, give mercy. In my weariness, Lord, I turn to you. I choose to be still. I choose to make room. I'm going to step away from the despair of life, from the disappointments of community, from the skepticism of your presence, and choose to trust in you and you alone. And what I realize is that making space requires a deep trust in God. The author of the Psalm says in the midst of being attacked, disturbed, and overwhelmed, uh, in verse five, trust in the Lord. Amidst all of their experiences, there's an encouragement to trust God. Now, I wish I could give you a, a, like a recipe for trust, but I'm still trying to figure out what that recipe might entail, right? Uh, every year I have a little phrase that I use, something that I want to grow in in my relationship with God. And, and since 2015, uh, that phrase has been like, God, I trust you. Help me trust you more. Because I, I say that I trust God, but I, I don't really trust God. Right. You know, I, I expected the Christian life to kind of get easier the older I got and the longer I walked with God. Um, I can tell you that that's it's not true. <laughs> it's it's really easy to trust God when things are going well and you're like living it up and things are falling into place. Say well, that. Say well, that. <laughs> what I've come to know is that it's also really, really hard to trust God when things are not going well, mm-hmm. when the future is uncertain, when doubt creeps in, and when we are in deep grief and despair. When I'm overwhelmed and my head is full of worry, when the depression and the loneliness sets in, in my mistrust, distrust, and skepticism, uh, that kind of trust feels elusive. And these are the hardest moments to cultivate space and to make room. But these are also the moments where creating space creates these moments of time that are pregnant with possibility right? Pregnant with the reality that God speaks order into disorder. Now, the psalmist concludes uh, Psalm 4 and says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you make me dwell in safety. I've been reading um, this book for, it's like a year, a year now. It's called uh, Ruthless Trust. It's 190 pages. I read about like four or five pages and then I usually check it because it, it angers me. And, um, you know, when you're reading something and it, it, it elicits strong emotion, it means that there's probably something to it. It's by a guy named Brennan Manning. And Brennan says, uh, often trust begins on the far side of despair. When all the human resources are exhausted, when the craving for reassurances is stifled, when we forego control, when we cease to manipulate God and demystify mystery, then at our wit's end, trust happens within us. The longer I've walked with God, the more I've had to learn to trust God. The deeper that trust has had to go and the more room I've had to make, the more space I've had to cultivate away from the busyness of days, right? the more I've had to wonder 
in the mystery of God. So what keeps you up at night? I don't know if you're anything like me. I, I mean, you might be one of those people who have like full, complete trust, right? I'm not there yet, but I'm open. I, I want to learn. I, I want, if you know, like, feel free to text me or send, send me a chat. Let me know what that looks like. But I, I want to grow in my trust. When I lie awake at night trying to solve problems, trying to figure out solutions, worrying, it's a delusion that I can fix this, right? It's my inability to place my trust fully in God. That's good, Charlene. What I'm saying here is that Psalm 4 is an encouragement to make even more space and room when all is not well, when things are not right, when we're overwhelmed, when we're afraid, and when busyness is threatening to take over our lives. Psalm 4 is an invitation to create space to awe in the mysteries of God, the author, the finisher of our faith, the one who was and is to come, and the one who sees everything and still chooses to dwell among us. Even in the night, it's this God who can bring order out of chaos, peace from disarray, and beauty from ashes. So this Lent, I'm thinking a lot about making room and space, about cultivating quietness and stillness, honesty and trust. I'm not saying that, that getting space and making room solves the problem or makes this life easier or erases trouble and grief. But what we see over and over and over in the Psalms and all over scripture is that creating space helps to give us perspective, right? Perspective to see our problems and to see God more clearly in the midst of it all. So the question I ask is how, how do we make space? I think making space is about cultivating those moments, about setting time apart, about not filling our time with stuff and things. Instead of adding to our plates, it's about protecting that, that space, that emptiness, that sometimes scary silence. It's about creating these spaces of silence that allow the spirit to sustain and heal us and speak to us. So what I've been doing during this Lent, and, and let me just say that uh, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm a product of campus ministry um, even after years of uh, seminary and being a professional pastor, Christian, uh, the liturgical calendar still scares me a little bit. Like, I, I don't get it, but I get it, right? Like, it, it helps us hold time. But I'm always like, oh, what am I going to do for Lent? And then probably three or four days, I'm like, wait, when's Lent? <laughs> I just can't seem to remember. So one thing that I've been trying to do during this season of Lent, of preparing for Easter, is to set my timer for 15 minutes each day before the day starts or sometimes at the end of the day because I forget that it's the practice that I've chosen for Lent, is to set my timer and to make space to be present with God, to listen to God's still small voice. And there's a, a Pew study or a research study that says that the average church attender can tolerate about 15 seconds of silence before they get antsy. Uh, I think it's funny that even church has made us uncomfortable with making room. 
Now, it would be awkward for me to say, y'all, I'm going to keep you on this for 15 minutes of silence and we're just going to look at each other on Zoom. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to encourage you that as we move towards Easter to set a timer, whether it's for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to be present and to make space in your day. So what I'm going to do right now, though, um, just because I have your attention as the preacher for the day, is that I'm going to set a timer just for 60 seconds. And I'm going to invite you to make space, to have some time with God, to ponder the question, what keeps you up at night? Because like the author of Psalm 4, you know, like, feel free to write in all caps. And, and that's my emphasis, like, answer me, oh God, to ask that of the Lord to say how long, to complain, to give thanks, and then to trust in peace and to lie down and sleep. Because what I love about this Psalm is that after articulating all of these feelings, he says, I lie down and sleep for with the Lord, I dwell in safety. So if you allow me just a minute for you to spend some time talking to God. And then I'll close this out. Y'all, Psalm 4 is a hymn of lament and consolation for weary, anxious souls that are awake at night. So what keeps you up at night? Because this is an invitation to place our trust more deeply in God and God's care. It's an opportunity for us to reckon with the control of a life that is tight and suffocating and to open ourselves up to more, to more room, to more trust and more rest. So I hope that this Lent, you'll continue to make room for the one who is and is and is to come, for the one whose love is upon you, for the one who loves you with all his heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.